This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the bet in Las Vegas on the radio. Thanks for being with us here again to talk Raiders football. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, do me a favor. Just hit subscribe wherever you get your audio. Put on the auto download so you don't miss another show. Thanks for being with me, but it's not just me. I bring in my broadcast partner. That, of course, is my good friend. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report and you can also catch him on his Bleacher Report Lives, which are occasional. We just had one on Monday. If you missed it, you missed it. But Midtown Mo was in action again. Yes, Midtown Mo. Hey, look. It's Midtown Mo. Yes, he was in he was in rolling. And I gotta take I gotta take I, I got some umbrage with some of the things he was talking about and questions he was answering, which we're gonna get into now. Mo, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, as you said, I was uh, Take a minute. I was doing my midtown thing today. Yeah, uh, back in back in action after not being seen for about ten days. But oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So it was a lot lot going on in that live. There's a lot going on in that live. I know you got questions, so we'll get into it. And in I yeah. guess our first item of the day. We will. And oh, by the way, I mean, you look like what you lose like 15 pounds. You were so sick. I mean, you were out of it for the whole week. I got it towards the end of the week. I was lucky, though. I had two days, and then I had the weekend, so I was able to get recovered uh, by Monday. I'm still on the road to recovery, actually. I Full disclosure, before I got on, I had to take a nap before I got on with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's how dedicated Mo is uh, to be with his Raider Nation audience, so I appreciate it. But on the chat, there was all you guys at Bleach Report. You're so busy this time of the year. You're doing all sorts of <laughs> excuse me, mock drafts and all this jazz. And I tune in the live and I see Mo's Mo's list of draft picks there for the Raiders, correct? And yes, draft targets. And you had Anthony Richardson as the first pick that the Raiders at number three. Mm-hmm. You know, That's correct. Come, come on. No, you bought into the hype you're in, huh? You're all in? No. It- Full disclosure, okay, because this is going to take some explanation because of how things are set up behind the scenes. Uh So I've gone on shows, and and I've already been on the record saying this, is that I wouldn't take Anthony Richardson at seven. But the way the the context of the show is set up, 
based on the rumor that Daniel Jeremiah put out saying that there are two teams that he believes could trade up to the number three spot, the Arizona Cardinals spot, and he said it was the Titans and the Raiders. So a scenario was presented to me as to say, if the Raiders are going to trade up to the number three spot, who are they trading up for? So then mm-hmm. that was my first draft target was Anthony Richardson because the Raiders, obviously, if you're, if you're going to trade up to three, you're not trading up for a tackle. You're not trading <laughs> up for an edge rusher. Right. You're going up there for a quarterback. Yeah. And the way I see it and the way I think most people see it is Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going one and two. So if you're trading up to three, you're going up there for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. And if I'm picking between the two and you're telling me the Raiders are trading up for one of those two guys, to me it would have to be Anthony Richardson because his ceiling is a lot higher than Will Levis. Whether you like Anthony Richardson as a prospect or not is a different conversation. But yeah. if you're a team that's swinging for the fences at a quarterback that could be greater than the rest of the quarterbacks left on the board, you're swinging for Anthony Richardson because of his traits. Yeah, I, I hope that's not true. Uh, I hope that doesn't come to pass, I should say. But no, the, <laughs> the methodology and the mindset of, of the scenario you were given, I understand yes. that I still I still wouldn't take him because amazing talent, but it is you talk about you talked about a big swing. It's not just a big swing. It is a massive gamble because the young man is incredibly talented. Uh, and everything I've read and seen, a good young man too. So so there's no character issues and all that stuff. So you you, you want to kind of root for him. But but I know we differ on the Will Levis thing. I wouldn't take Will Levis at third either, by the way. Uh, I wouldn't take him there. I wouldn't take either one of those guys at three. But so there you go. Go ahead. Scott would blow off. Scott would blow off the whole live stream. He wouldn't answer the question. Uh, he would just say, I, "I just, I'm gonna walk off the set because I'm not gonna make a choice." <laughs> well, if they didn't give me my smoothie, I definitely would walk off the set. Um, but, but no. What I'm saying though is, I, I hope I don't think. And again, you look at this class, including Anthony Richardson, including Will Levis, and to me, I just don't see with the needs the Raiders have. And I get that's the scenario you were given. So that's why I was giving you crap about it at the beginning. So people so you could talk about it and let people understand. But to me, with all the defensive needs, I I I would just if I can't get in the top three and know that my guy's there, meaning if if CJ Stroud is there or Bryce Young is there, then I wouldn't do it. I would just back off, take the best player I can get at seven, uh, or even trade down, because you got to fill that defense out. And I think the guy that's being slept on the most now out of all of the quarterbacks, and you can get him later, is Hendon Hooker. I still believe it. I know the age situation, the knee injury, but I will tell you that that Hendon Hooker will play in a game, I believe, before Anthony Richardson will, even with the knee injury, because I think he's more ready for the pro game. I think it all depends what Hendon Hooker, where he goes. That's I mean, true. I, I, actually, I actually also put out a – a column on Hendon Hooker, and I and I had the the one thing I will say about Hendon Hooker is that when you play in Tennessee's offense and you're playing in a wide open up tempo offense, yep. that type of offense doesn't exist in the NFL. Not in not in its entirety. So no way. No, yeah. Absolutely. He's going to have to he's going to have to work on working in a pro style offense, reading a full field with consistency, and going through his progressions because he wasn't really actually do that at Tennessee. Now, he had a smart answer at the combine. He said, well, I can't help it if my number one receiver beats the other defender. I'm going to throw to him. His number one receiver being Jalen um, Hyatt. So, Hyatt, yeah. 
in the NFL, he's not going to have the same free leeway as he had on the collegiate level. And he's going to have to adjust to, again, a pro-style offense. Now, you can you can put some of those collegiate concepts in the offense to help his learning curve. Yep. But that's going to be an adjustment for him. And I think despite whatever people say about the injury and his age, I think that's something that people are overlooking that, okay, now you got to read a full field. Now you got to go to your second, your third, your fourth read. How, how well are you going to do being tasked to do that on in an NFL offense? And I think those, that's a legitimate concern for me. I agree. I think, and I think it's a massive concern for all of the quarterbacks, Sands, maybe CJ Stroud and a little bit of Bryce Young, because Anthony Richardson as great as he is from a talent and a pure skill perspective uh, has trouble with that too. And I know you talked about on your life, you watched the last four games of Richardson's season and you're right. He did improve significantly. And I think that's why you hear him in this conversation now because he finished so strong. Uh, but it, it, I, I still think though, I'm not as convinced on any of these quarterbacks other than CJ Stroud. Cause I just think that I watched him the most, I think. So I, I feel like, He's going to be pretty good in the right system, to your point. So we'll have to see how that goes. Now, we're going to get into the draft today, by the way, on the show. Uh, the next segment, we're going to talk about the defensive linemen available in the draft. We're going to give you some names to watch out for uh, for the Raiders as our draft coverage begins here in April all the way up to the draft. And then in the final segment, we'll get into linebackers. Oh, yeah, those. Yeah, the Raiders haven't had one in a long time. So we're going to talk about who's available out there. But, Mo, another story that's starting to make the rounds here, and it does have a little bit to do with Anthony Richardson, is that we're hearing the rumor now that the Seahawks are interested in in trading uh, with the Raiders. There might be a swap of picks here, and it's because they might want Anthony Richardson. Uh, what do you make of that Seattle story that's been floated out there? Of course, this time of the year, Everybody, including us, even as educated as we can be on certain subjects, we're all just shooting in the dark, folks. That's 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 without a doubt. You use the best information you can to try to guess what's going to happen because none of us can wait that long to get to the draft. Um, but, Mo, what do you make of that story that the Raiders and Seahawks could end up being trade partners in that first round? Yeah, about the shooting in the dark thing, really quick comment about that. Yeah. We're at the time of the offseason where everyone is just making mock drafts out of boredom and half of them don't make sense. I Correct. Put that out there. Absolutely. So I, I don't pay too much attention to mock drafts. Maybe the big, you know, the, the big things like Daniel Jeremiah, as I said, because he, he'll put out uh, rumors and insight about what he's hearing. But to your point about the Seahawks and the, and the Richardson rumors, I think it's a little bit of smoke because if you – Last week during Richardson's pro day, apparently that was the big rumor that was floating around that the Seahawks mm -hmm. want Richardson. And usually when you hear things like that at that time of the year, you got to take certain things with a grain of salt because everyone is saying the same, was basically saying the same thing. The Seahawks want to move up and leapfrog the Colts for the number three spot. And I, and I find that a little bit of BS because I put that in an article, the, a BS meter on some of the rumors that are out. <laughs> and, I, and I gave that, I believe, an eight because – I think the Seahawks would love Anthony Richardson if they didn't have to trade up for him. To me, it doesn't make sense for them as a playoff team with with a quarterback who's set in place for now, Geno Smith. I know he's not you know, considered a long-term answer because he's only had one standout season, but they do have a playoff team, and they hit the last draft out of the park. And what they need is an interior uh, defensive lineman. I think they're after Jalen Carter, mm. to be honest with you. And I think this, this whole Richardson thing – They'll they'll take him if he's there at five, I believe the Seahawks pick. If he's there at five, 
they make it serious because then they can have their quarterback of the future. Richardson doesn't have to play for one or two years. Yep. Chino Smith will have his leeway, his one or two year leeway, and then you can pass the baton off without having to rush your young quarterback back in. But to me, a team that's just coming off a 9-8 season in a division where the Cardinals are going to sink, the 49ers don't quite know who their starter is going to be, the mm-hmm. Rams are rebuilding. Why would the Seahawks take a quarterback when they can pick some yeah. hole, uh, major hole that they have, get a Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, whoever's yeah. there, and keep it rolling with and from what they had last year? So I think there's a little bit of smoke there with Anthony Richardson and the Seahawks. Talk. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I think Jalen Carter is the target. If that were to happen, I think that's the target for them. That, to me, seems like an exact a Pete Carroll move, knowing what he has and what he has to do with that <laughs> roster. And you talked about the division. They have an uh, they have an open door right now in that division. If they make the right moves, have a good draft, and supplement it with players, they're going to be uh, with the 49ers, depending, like, to your point. The 49ers don't know what to do at quarterback, or if the quarterback situation, if Brock Purdy sees the uh, carriage pull up at midnight and it turns into a pumpkin, then the 49ers are in trouble. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Last thing before we go to the first break, your colleague over at Bleacher Report, Christopher Knox, also is predicting that the Raiders will re-sign Yannick Ngakwe, which we've talked about here on this show. I think it would be a great move to bolster that end position. We're going to talk about defensive linemen in the draft coming up after the break, but what do you think about that? I don't think it's going to happen simply because, and Mm. shout out to Chris, great writer, but I don't think it's going to happen simply because the rate. Dave Ziegler has been bargain bin shopping this whole offseason. <laughs> and I think Yannick Ngakwe is arguably one of the, the top free agents available. I think he's still looking for a deal of about in the eight, nine million dollar range. And I don't yeah. think Ziegler is gonna be willing to pay him that. Yep, it comes down to the dough. All right, especially when you have a lot of needs. Okay, we're gonna step aside for our first break here on the Tuesday edition of Silver and Black today. Mo and Scott both back. Mo is at least what ninety percent? You think I'm I'm about ninety five percent? Or where are you at? Because I know you're you're sucking on a cough drop and you're drinking water. But what else you got going? <laughs> I'm about seventy five percent right. Seventy. See, he's a gamer. <laughs> he's a gamer, folks. That's because he's Midtown Mo. All right, we're gonna take that break. When we come back, we'll get into some players you want to watch out for. And when you talk when you talk about the Raiders and defensive line, oh yeah, they have needs, especially on the inside. We're going to talk about that next here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey, whoa, original podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. NFL draft defensive line prospects. Yes, the Raiders need some. And that loud noise is a motorcycle in New York City outside Mo Moten's window. Just in case you guys message us about how you're tired of the noise in Mo's. And I'm, I'm muting him now just for a minute because I know our listeners, Mo, will get crazy. Uh, and so if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see Mo, but you can't hear him because I've muted him just for a second until he gives me the high sign that the motorcycle's gone. Um, but we are, okay, good. We are, there he is, he's back. We are an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders. If you don't subscribe to the show, please do so wherever you get your audio and hit on the auto download so you get the show whenever it's new. All right, Mo, now that Evil Knievel has left the vicinity... <laughs> Um, we're here to talk about defensive line prospects for the Raiders. We know the need that Las Vegas has up front. It's had it for, it's needed it for years. It addressed the end position with Max Crosby, one of their better, uh, one of the best picks the Gruden Mayock group did in their time leading the Raiders. They went out and got Chandler Jones, signed him to that $51 million deal has not worked out well. But he came on towards the end of the season, and they may have some other options there. But in the middle, uh, it's been a no-man's land. This team has not been able to. They've gotten good play from some some guys like Jonathan Hankins, some other guys up front, but they've never had that true that true interior pressure that they need to really balance out the front of that defense. And they need it. Um, and that, this is why the Jalen Carter conversation is so hot within Raiders Twitter right now because – he would be perfect for what the Raiders need right now. Right. But I, I just, one, I don't think Jalen Carr is going to be there at seven. And two, if he's there at seven, I don't think the Raiders are going to pick him. I'm not saying I believe in Vic Tafer's sources over Vinny Bonsignor's sources, <laughs> but I, I just don't feel like the Raiders want to go down that road with their first pick, knowing what they went through with, well, not they, but what the previous regime went through with Henry Ruggs. And Damon Arnett, I think they want a guy who's gonna who's got a, pretty much a clean record because Josh McDaniels did say something about players doing things, doing the right things on and off the field, and I think that's something that people need to pay attention to. But I will say that other than Jalen Carter, if, if Jalen Carter is not the guy for the Rays, even if he is there, there are some guys on, on the, that are going to be on the board that can help him in that three um, technique spot. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about some of these guys, and I'm going to throw in some other names too. Of, of players that have talent, whether or not they're three tech or not, we'll, we'll get into it. But let's go through some of the prospects. I want to get, you sent me a few of your top guys. Let's start with, uh, if you're the Raiders and you're sitting there, is I mean, is there a guy outside of Carter that you're taking in that first round at seven? Or do you feel the, the players that you've picked out as good fits for this Raiders team could be had later? Kalaja Kansi is out of pit is probably the only player that I have down here as a defensive tackle that I would take in the first round. Now he's probably going to go in the, I'd say he's going to go in the 16 to 25 range. So he's more of a trade back option. I wouldn't take him at seven. I just want to be clear. I wouldn't take Kansi at seven, mm -hmm. but if the Raiders are going to trade move back eight or nine spots, I think that's probably more of his range. People are comparing him to Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald also went to pit. I don't see him as that type of player, but I think he, he could be a, a pretty good first-round talent that can get you about six, seven, eight sacks as a rookie. Um, the other two guys that I have listed, Tui Palatu out of USC, is a guy I've talked about a lot on this show. 
Of course, his height weight is a little odd for a defensive tackle, but I think if he gets to about 275, he can play the three-tech position. You can get him in the second round. The last guy I have is Siaka Ika, which is he's not a he's not a three technique. He's more of a nose tackle. Right. So he'd be more of a replacement for Jonathan Hankins, who's now with the Cowboys. Now, Neil Farrell had some interesting tweets over the past week, and I feel like he he feels like he's ready for a jump. They also drafted Matthew Butler, who's, who I think is more of a three tech. But I think if you get Ika out of Baylor and you want a run stopper right away, you can plug in. He's about 330 pounds. He's he's the guy to pick up. But again, he's another day two pick. Yeah, I think I think you're right. At the three tech, there's no question. There's a guy there though too that I don't know. He's not a three tech. He's he's not he's not that player. But Brian Breesy is another kid, the kid out of Clemson. And I know Raider fans are gonna say, "Oh, not another Clemson defensive lineman in the interior. Uh, we don't want or on the end. We don't want that either." Uh, but when you look at Breesy, what he's done, um, and and of course he had uh, ACL his junior year. Um, coming into 2021 and then 2022, a good season. Uh, is that a guy, too, that, I mean, he, he's projected to be uh, a top two, uh, right behind, I think, right behind Jalen Carter. Is he a guy you take at seven? No, I wouldn't take him at seven. I remember seeing early mock drafts with him in the top ten, and I immediately yeah. said no. I said yeah. no simply because hardworking kid, he's overcome some adversity with oh, injuries yeah. and stuff off the field matters. Mm-hmm. But – I. I'm of the belief that if I'm picking in the top 10, I don't want a guy who's coming into the NFL with an injury history. That's just me. Other teams and other head coaches and GMs may feel differently by the based on who the talent is. But if I'm picking top 10 and I'm seven, if I'm the Raiders, I don't want a guy who, again, comes into the league with, with a, a decent injury history because this is my theory. Guys who get hurt in college don't get a lot healthier on the pro level. Usually those yeah. injuries linger on and, and it follows them throughout their career. So Breezy to me is more of a, I would say in the twenties, I think he's going to go in the twenties, Yeah, but I, I've seen, but again, I've seen some mock drafts of him in the top 10. I've seen him in the 10 to 15 range. He does fit a knee for the Raiders, but I I'm just not high on Breezy as much as other people are. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like the kid to your point. It's one of those stories you, you kind of root for, right? So you do. Some, yeah. sometimes I think that a player gets overvalued because, believe it or not, because there's just this desire for them to do good. Another guy I like, and again, we're talking about the – well, give, give me another interior defender um, that, that you might want to put on the radar for Raiders fans to look out for, especially, I think, in that to your point, in that second round. Javon Dexter, I believe. Dexter. Um, some people, yeah. Dexter is a guy that a lot of people like. Uh, I'm going to do a lot more looking at him because he wasn't really on my radar. Yeah. But I, you know, he's a popular day two guy. If it's, if there's somebody that you want to dig into and have an alternative to a guy like Cansey or Talap Tui out of USC. But um, other than that, it's just, if you're the Raiders, I think you want to you want to tackle that position early. Yeah, yeah. If you can, I mean, and then but then you also have to think about athletes too, right? And you look at a guy that I love as an athlete. I don't know that he's going to be the impact player, and I'm not talking about first round clearly here, but but a guy who's near the top of the list when it comes to prospects too is Miles Murphy. He's a defensive end, edge player, uh, and to me, he's a kid. Again, it's out of Clemson, so I know Raider fans getting really nervous with that. But here's a kid, six five, two sixty eight. Um, but I really think that he's a guy you can have 
on day two, perhaps, if he falls that deep. Uh, and he's a guy that at edge might take him a year to kind of get it, almost like you saw, I think, with, with Max Crosby develop into a better player. Have you, have you studied or seen much of Miles Murphy? I've looked at Miles Murphy a lot early in the offseason. Yeah. I have him listed as an edge. That's why I didn't talk about him in this yeah. in this sense. But I feel like in sub packages he can kick inside. He's big enough where he can kick inside and be, you know, a three technique on certain certain downs, certain packages. The thing is he's young and he doesn't have a full pass rushing um set yet. And he's only 21. He just turned 21 in January. So I would say that if he's not coming out of the gate with, you know, eight nine sacks give him some time yeah um if you're looking for somebody with with an immediate impact i think tyree wilson is probably someone you'd like if you want someone right away coming out yeah. of college is going to give you you know some some sacks because he's an older prospect tyree wilson is 23 or going to be 23 in may so he's kind of similar to miles murphy in the fact that they don't have complete pass rushing moves yet they, they still have to develop that area of their game but you yeah. but as a you know as a team you understand these guys are not coming out, especially there is no superstar defender outside of maybe Wilson and Jalen Carter. After that, they're guys that you're going to have to coach up and give them some pass rush moves and teach them some things, some of the basics. But with with Miles Murphy, I think I like his upside more than Tyree Wilson, simply because, again, yeah. he's younger. And his numbers weren't spectacular his last year at Clemson, but – Stop comparing him to Cleveland Farrell. I think he's yeah. a more explosive <laughs> athlete than Cleveland Farrell was coming out. And I know yes. a lot of fans will say, well, you know, we just drafted a Clemson defensive end. It didn't look how it worked out. And I would say, look at the film because they're not the same player. No, not the same player. And I think to the point here, and we've mentioned some names uh, from on the defensive interior here and now at edge. But the reality is I think the Raiders are going to stock up, uh, especially as you get into day two uh, and they have some of those later picks because you, you really need to bring in some kids to compete and see who just sticks. And and, and it's, a deep, it's a deep draft there. It's, again, these aren't kids that are going to come in and be all pros to start out. These are not first, even second rounders, most of them. But there is depth there, Mo. And so I'm interested to see. This is where, to me, we'll see a lot about Dave Ziegler and the Raiders uh, – organization when it comes to evaluating young talent coming into the draft. Right. And the other name that I, I think I should mention, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. He's Big not guy. a three tech. He, he's, he's another he's guy a nose tackle. probably going to be a nose tackle. Yeah. He's probably like 320, 330 pounds. Kind of the same mold as, as uh, Ika out of Baylor. So if you're yep. looking for that type of player, a one tech, so to speak, Yep. Mozzie Smith or Ika are probably what you're looking at. If you're looking for a guy who can pressure the quarterback, again, as a trade back option, can't see. I like I like Tuli out of USC. And of course, I mentioned um, Dexter out of Florida. Now let's go back to, we talked about Jalen Carter in the first uh, segment when we were talking about the possibility of the Raiders trading with Seattle and that, that kind of rumor that's been spread out there. Jalen Carter, why would, in your view, you said the Raiders, he could be there and the Raiders might not take him. Do you think that's purely because of the last few years, the Henry Ruggs situation, the character issues that are spread out there? Do you think that that's why they stay away? I know Vic made that connection, but their situations are too, are not correlated. So They're you not. can't punish Jalen Carter for what Henry Ruggs did. Like, let's just be clear about that. I understand. And, or, your organization. Don't look good. or your organization. Right. Yeah. They, they, don't get me wrong. The optics don't look good because right. of what Henry Ruggs was involved in. His DUI 
resulting in that situation with Tina Tintor. But you have to understand that when you have a history or when you have recent first rounders who've been in some trouble, you might be hesitant to pick another guy in the first round that high who's got some, who's had some recent legal issues and yeah. then had had a lackluster pro day. So on top yeah. of his legal issues, I understand he pleaded no contest to um reckless driving and racing, but you got to remember he gained weight before his pro day and that's part of why he struggled. Wasn't able to finish a lot of his drills and people wondering what's yeah. going on with him. To me for Jalen Carter it boils down to what's said in his one-on-one interviews. And I said this during oh. the live on Monday. I said that I, I can't make a call on Jalen Carter because I don't have the full picture. It would be unfair for me to say, take Jalen Carter off the board without having spoken to him personally, because I would want to know what went on before your pro day. Why was your pro? Why did you gain weight? You know, why weren't you in shape? He may have a good answer for that. Yeah. And I don't know that answer. And only the teams that he interviews with are going to know that answer. So it would be unfair for me to say, can't take, can't take Jalen Carter because of what happened with his pro day and his legal issues. Because, again, there may be a reasonable response for that. His, his answer to that is very, very important. And, again, the teams will know. But the one thing that I do find strange about Jalen Carter is that Ian Rappaport said Monday he's not taking any visits with teams outside of the top 10. Top 10. Drew Rosenhaus is his agent. So there's a there's a feeling from Drew Rosenhaus that Jalen Carter is going to go in the top 10. And I think he will. I said on the show, I think he's going to go to the Seahawks. Yeah. I think the Seahawks actually have him probably higher than Anthony Richardson. So if they're both available, the Seahawks are probably going to have a tough decision to make. But with the Raiders, as far as they're concerned, with the number seven pick, it's going to boil down to what's said behind closed doors in that room. What's what, what went on with your legal issue and what happened to you at your pro day? There you go. And, you know, I don't make excuses for people's actions. He's responsible for them. Right. But you go you go to the combine and the story breaks uh, and, you know, you're there for the biggest moment of your career. And so I could see why he might have been overweight and not focused at his pro day. There's there's and to your point, if they have the conversation with him and he says, hey, listen, I was out of my head. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was worried about my future. I, I felt like I got sunk at the combine. And so, uh, yeah, I took my eye off the ball. I'm human. Exactly. So we'll have to see how it all nets out. But that's going to be one of the fascinating, to me, one of the fascinating stories in the top of the draft and what's happening. But for the Raiders in the defensive line area, they have got to get talent there. And we're just giving you this quick preview. It's not the last. We're going to go deep on some of this uh, with some guests we got scheduled coming up here very soon. But we wanted to start to touch on these, give you some names to watch. And, uh, and and Mo had some there, too, as well. So we'll do that. Next, we're going to do linebackers today. We're going to get into that here in the final segment of Silver and Black today. By the way, make sure you follow Mo on Twitter if you don't already, at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and the show is at SNB Today, where you can find that. We certainly appreciate the follow on Twitter and always appreciate the conversation. All right. The final break. When we come back, we'll talk about linebackers, give you some names there as well. And linebackers have changed. Some linebackers today are kind of a hybrid. They can play on the on the end. They can rush the passer from that end position. They can play back and move almost as a safety. It's a crazy time in the NFL, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also, you hear us on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Thanks for being back with us, everyone in Raider Nation. Scott Branson and Mo Moten back with you. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure you do. Wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black today. Subscribe to us. If you're watching us on YouTube, good to see you again after a short week last week with the two of us being under the weather. So we appreciate you guys being back in there and active in the chat as always. So thank you for that one. Uh, And uh, we are back talking NFL draft. Mo, we're going to talk about linebackers. And we have mentioned linebackers on this show for the last, I don't know, eight months. And and the Raiders' inability to have linebackers that have great impact. Give me first your overall assessment of this linebacker class as far as its depth. We talked about defensive line is actually pretty deep when you look at uh, opportunities for players uh, going into the third, fourth round even. Uh, with linebackers, is it the same way, or are we looking at a more shallow class? Much more shallow class. I mean, I will say that if, you, if you're looking for that complete three-down linebacker who's going to be our pro bowl or all pro in his first year, I don't think that exists in this class. <laughs> um, the, the, the running thing with this linebacker core is a, a lot of these guys can probably line up off the edge and give you some pass rushing numbers, which is good. Uh, there's some versatility there, but that that all pro player mm-hmm. right out of the gate or pro bowl player out of the gate, it just isn't there. If you're the Raiders and you you did sign Robert Spillane, but Robert Spillane is not very good in coverage. You got Devon <laughs> Diablo there who's we don't know if he's even going to be a starter. So with those two as your top guys, and of course you got Luke Masterson there and Darian um, Butler there too, but with those, with that unit that they currently have, the Raiders need to strike fast the linebacker position. And I, and I think there's there's one name that I'm looking at we're, that we're going to get into. But mm-hmm. again, as I said, the running theme, the common thread with a lot of these linebackers that are going to be picked on at the end of day one, day two, they, a lot of them can line up on the edge and give you some sack numbers. So there is a, there's a positive there, but don't look for a superstar right out of the gate in this group. Yeah, and I look at the names, Mo, and I know you have some of these names, but I'm going to name three of them off the top of my list here uh, that all are linebacker slash edge. So you look at Will Anderson out of Alabama, of course. You have Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, and you have Nolan Smith out of Georgia, okay? Now you look at those guys, all of those guys – um, play outside, can play the edge, and, and and are exactly what you mentioned in your preamble there. When you look at any of those three guys, any of those guys, Patrick Graham's system, any of those names stick out or somebody number one for you when it comes to the Raiders? Now, you mentioned, I believe you mentioned Terry Wilson. I think he's, yeah. I, I feel like he's more of an edge guy. 
I do too. Uh, Nolan Smith, I see him more as an edge guy because he's a little light. He's about 238. Now, he killed it at the combine. Yep. He's an athletic. He has a great athletic profile, but I think he's more of, of an undersized edge rusher as well. If I'm looking for the Raiders to make a pick, I, I think they need to get someone who's more of an off-ball linebacker, someone who's not going to be lining up off the edge a ton. So I'm 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 veering toward guys like Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson, another Clemson yeah. guy. Clemson guy. Now those yeah. are probably just to just to point out those are probably my top two guys. And I think of those guys, of the two, Drew um, Drew Sanders is probably the most versatile, and he'll probably give you, he'll give you the best coverage because that's one thing that the Raiders need. The Raiders can't just take any linebacker in this draft as far as off ball linebacker is concerned. They need a guy that can cover because as I just said. Coverage is not Robert Spillane's strong suit. They need a guy that's going to line up and jam Travis Kelsey, a guy that's going to is going to track down on running backs, catching out of the backfield. And to me, Drew Sanders, though he's not the most complete linebacker, he's the best when it comes to coverage. Yeah, and you mentioned Trenton Simpson, not a Cle- another guy. Is three guys I've I've hooked in on on this conversation today have been from Clemson, and Trenton Simpson to me is the number one true linebacker in this draft. Not meaning not the edge playing mostly at the edge. You look at him, and he is what like two thirty, two thirty five, something like that. But this kid plays like a monster. I mean, he plays bigger than that. If you catch my drift, he is to me, one of those guys that I think could make impact on that defense immediately. I just don't know where to place him in this draft. I mean, second round, uh, perhaps maybe first round, if somebody falls in love with him, I just can't imagine that the Raiders are going to take him there. So unless they moved way down, um, what do you think his opportunity, if, if they were able to get a Trenton Smith and where they'd be able to take him, what's your thoughts? The good part about I'll say about Trenton Smith is that he can play inside and outside. Now yeah. he did when he played inside this past season. Um, some of his run angles were a bit questionable, but that you gotta expect that if a guy is gonna be moving around, I think once he gets to the pro level, he settles into a position, he'll be fine. But with him, it's just I think it might take him a year or two before you get the best of Trenton Simpson. Yeah, simply because he's able to move around. Now you like that versatility. But like I said, as a young player coming into the league, you want that guy to, to settle into a specific role. And and I, I would question, not question, but I would want to know where he fits in Patrick Graham's scheme. Now, the Raiders need an outside linebacker and they need an inside linebacker. So I think wherever they see fit for him, he could start right away. It's just a matter of where he's going to be lined up. Yeah, and, and to your point, and not being a deep class, so it falls off uh, once you get past, I don't know, maybe the top eight guys. And again, a lot of these guys are more of an edge player. So you look at linebacker, what are the Raiders going to do then, Mo? It's not like defensive line and maybe even defensive back, which we're going to talk about on Thursday. But when we look at this position particularly, the Raiders are in a tough spot. They're going to not only have to draft there and get some young players in, but they're going to have to see what's available on the free agent market. Like you mentioned Spillane already, that is one signing, but they got to get some bodies in there, don't they? I would still ask the Ravens what they want for Patrick Queen. I've been screaming uh, this for the past four weeks. <laughs> Call the Ravens, ask them what they want for Patrick Queen. I know people say they're not going to trade Patrick Queen. And I'm like, why not? Because you got to understand, they just pay Roquan Smith a five-year, $100 million deal. Teams right. don't pay two off-ball linebackers big contracts. Yeah. So Patrick Queen eventually he's good. They're going to move on from him because they're not going to invest that much money in the inside linebacker position. So to me, guys are traded every year on draft day. Last year, we saw AJ Brown get traded from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. If I'm the Raiders, I continue to make calls to the Ravens and say, look, we'll give you a day, a day two pick for Patrick queen. If you're going to move on from him. 
other pro or other trade prospects for the Raiders? I mean, again, you talk about Patrick Queen. I'm there with you. Would be an amazing move for the Raiders team. But but overall, though, they still. I mean, you still need bodies there. And I'm just I'm trying to just think about where are they going to get some because who's left on the street is not impressive either. And, um, and so now they're, it's going to be tough again, unless they get out and they they're able to get a Patrick queen, be able to get a pretty good young college player that at least comes in and is able to, to play some significant downs. Um, it's going to be tough for that unit again this year. You're not going to rebuild the defense in one season. Right. And I believe that's what Dave Ziegler said that he, he said, realistically, we're not going to fill every need in one draft. And, right. I, and I think that's something that a lot of some Raider fans clutch their pearls about. And I'm like, well, we, we can understand that, you know, this very rarely do you have a draft class like the Seahawks had this past season, like the Jets had this past season. I'm not saying it can't happen, but to expect to fill every need in one draft class is, you know, you're hoping for an above average class. And as, as I've said on Twitter before, was the last time the Reds had an above average draft class? It was 2014. <laughs> so it's been about 10 years. So some, some people will say, well, they're due. And I would say if the mm-hmm. Reds can get three to five, three to four starters out of this class, they have 12 draft picks. If you can get three to four solid starters out of this class, it's a pretty it, that's a pretty good draft class, you would say. Because then you could say, yes. okay, at least two of your day three guys can contribute in rotational roles. And remember, as I said, Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler are going on to their second year, so there's, there could yeah. be some progression from them. Uh, I think the Raiders are, are high on Luke Masterson. I don't have any sources on that, but I think Luke Masterson, what he did last year to go from an undrafted rookie to playing some meaningful snaps at the end of the year, he was pretty good yeah. in the preseason as well. I think he could see a lot more snaps than people realize. So it, it, if if they don't go high at linebacker and they don't make a trade, as I said before, Patrick Queen, Luke Max Luke Masterson could see a lot of snaps alongside Robert Spillane. But one one of the one other guy I want to mention is Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell mm. not great in coverage, but right out of the gate he's gonna he would help your run defense. Jack Campbell out of Iowa. I actually saw one of his interviews he did with NFL Network on Monday. Seems like a pretty uh pretty dialed in guy. But again. Coverage not his strong suit. Maybe he gets a little better at it on in the in, you know in the pros, but he's a guy you're gonna probably stick on a strong side on early downs, and he'll be able to again plug up some holes in your run defense if you have been. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I think we might see that this year too, as the Raiders grab some guys later in the draft that actually contribute. I'm not saying they're your long-term right. starter, but they're guys you bring in maybe for depth if they develop. Like you take a you take a flyer on them late. They're cheap, right? As as you said. Ziegler said they're not going to remake the defense in one draft. So you go get the best players. Campbell's a great guy, one of those t- type of players I think you mentioned, and you say, hey, look, yeah, bring him in, and then you supplement that later on with a starter next year or whatever, free agency, and then you have a pretty good lineup because then you're able to get these young players in into the system for a year, and they're already there ready to go. Um, anybody else on that Raiders roster you think could pick it up and, and play better and maybe get more snaps next year? I would hope I was remember I was big on Butler coming out of Arizona State because he was coming all over he's coming along with um Antonio Pierce who was his defensive coordinator there and I feel like Butler yeah. had a chance we'll, we'll see between him and Luke Masterson I think both have a chance at least to move up the depth chart now people don't want to hear that because they're undrafted they're former undrafted rookies but I would say those are the guys that actually can surprise you in their second year as well especially as thinking experience you're in the system. They know the system. If the Raiders don't yeah. go heavy at the linebacker position, they 
probably expect one of the one or both of those guys to make the jump. But there's one other guy I want to mention, Dan Henley, Dan Henley out of um, Washington State. Been yeah. looking into him. He's people overlook him because he's been in the in the college race for about six years. Like I yeah. believe he's had six years at Washington State, and people you know usually say if a guy lasts that long on the collegiate level, they're probably not weren't good enough to go pro, but. He had a breakout year this past year, and he's got some coverage skills. He can go downhill. And, you know, I, I think he could be a surprise pick on day two, at the end of day two, maybe end of round three with that pick 100. I think the Raiders have pick 100 and, or yeah. pick 106, 109. They they have a pick in that in that compensation range that they got, from I believe, from uh, the Giants when they traded Darren Waller, pick 100. So he, yeah. he could be in that range if they're looking for a linebacker who – a little understated. A lot of people aren't touting him as a top prospect, but because he spent so many years on the collegiate level, he's played a lot of football. That experience can help him once he gets to the pro level. Well, I I, I watched him in the in the Senior Bowl, and let me tell you, dude, his his athleticism. I mean, you talk about the physicality of a player like that. Um, he's what just six one. He's not huge, but but he still plays um, just insane. I mean, I don't know if you saw him in the Senior Bowl, Mo, but uh, he he was one of those guys. Like, he was one of the guys that you come out of the Senior Bowl talking about because that's how well he played. And I think that maturity will do him well in the NFL, to your point, right? Yeah, he played in college for a while. He takes a little bit more of a beating. But at the same time, uh, you like a kid like that. He's going to be a little more, just a year or two older than the other guys. Uh, and that helps, especially on the defense, I think. I said this a lot, of, and I know this is a different position, but I said this a lot about Thayer Mumford last year. Mm-hmm. I remember Thayer Mumford was picked in the seventh round, and people were like, oh, he's a practice squad guy. He's not going to see the field. And I said, wait a minute. Thayer Mumford has played a lot of football. He started, I believe he was a four-year starter. And I said that when you play a lot of football on the collegiate level, once you get to the pro level, I'm not saying it comes easy to you, but having all of that experience does help a lot of players. So when you see a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick, and you're like, oh, he's just going to be on the practice squad. He's not going to really play much in his first year. But if those guys have a lot of playing experience on the collegiate level, generally speaking, some of them can, can I wouldn't say start right away, but at least contribute to a rotation. As we saw there, Mumford was uh, switching with um, Jermaine Illuminar at the beginning of the year before Jermaine Illuminar ran away with that right tackle spot. So for a guy like Henley, who's played, again, a lot of football at Washington State, keep an eye on him if the Raiders draft him. Yes, and, and I'll tell you what, too, the, the interesting fact – about him is when you look at Henley, he is uh, a graduate of Crenshaw High School in Los Angeles. Of course, Crenshaw High School, you guys know Crenshaw High School. You think of uh, some former NFL players that have been there, some hip-hop artists, Ice-T, I mean, you name it, you go down the line. So Crenshaw High School, he comes from a football powerhouse in Southern California too. Great ad there, Mo. Great player. I forgot about him, but he is a guy that impressed me a lot in the Senior Bowl. Well, that's tying up our quick overview of linebackers. On Thursday, we're going to talk about defensive backs, and we'll move to some offense as well. And we're going to get deeper into the draft, but we're going to bring on draft experts for that over the next few weeks, including bringing back Baldy for that. He has agreed to come back uh, before the draft and talk to us as well. So we'll get him on the schedule as well as others. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Mo, I want to get a couple NFL wildcard storylines that have quieted down a little bit. Uh, the the situation with Lamar Jackson. We're now hearing Lamar Jackson, oh, he doesn't want all of his contract guaranteed. He just wants the guaranteed money up front that Deshaun Watson got. 
Uh, I don't see any amicable solution. What do you think? I mean, what does your gut tell you is going to happen? I thought, no, he's going to play for the Ravens. He'll end up just going in and playing and doing what he's got to do. I don't find that necessarily true anymore. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's a little odd because it came out that he requested a trade on March 2nd, I believe. Yep. But I think that was just more about money. He was just frustrated about where negotiations were. He just wants to get paid. He just wants to get paid what he thinks he's worth. And I said this when it happened. I said people aren't going to be clamoring to give him a guaranteed deal. Now, it's no surprise that now it's coming up. Maybe he doesn't want a guaranteed deal. I think it's because no one's been willing to give it to him. So he's going to have to pivot anyway. So when he when, when you realize that no one's going to sign that offer sheet, then you have to pivot and say, okay, um, I, I'll – you know, I'll take down my offer a little bit. Let's negotiate, but I'm still I still want this X amount of guaranteed dollars, which I understand. But you gotta understand when Deshaun Watson was paid that guaranteed deal, a lot of people came out and said it was a mistake. So yeah. why would you expect other teams to to make a mistake with that contract? I'm not saying Lamar Jackson had the same issues that Deshaun had, but people were saying that giving that guaranteed contract to anyone, including the Ravens owner Steve Bashotti, said <laughs> We don't want to give guaranteed deals. Jim Irsay has come out recently and said, I don't believe in guaranteed deals for quarter. He meant to say for quarterbacks at, on that scale. So yeah. it's clear these teams don't want to give up guaranteed contracts to quarterbacks because they don't want that to become the new trend. So, yes, Lamar Jackson is going to have to pivot and he's going to have to get back to the negotiating table, him and his mother, his you know, NFLPA, and figure out what can he get from whoever wants him? And I think ultimately he's going to end up back with the Ravens because I think yeah. they're the team that's going to be willing to give him most of what he wants. Maybe not exactly what he wants, but mostly what he wants. If he if if he says, okay, give me $220 million guaranteed, I think he can probably get that. That's yeah. not more than Deshaun Watson. I believe Deshaun Watson's at 230 But I think he'll get close to that eventually when, when the dust settles. But I will say there's one thing to think about. After the draft, let's say a team like the Colts doesn't draft the quarterback. They may go after Lamar Jackson. I wrote a piece saying that yeah. a team could fill out their roster with a with a top player from the draft, and then after the draft decide, okay, mm-hmm. we'll sign an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson because we, we're not giving up a first round this year. We're giving up our next two um, first for 2024 and 2025. Yeah. So a team may be willing, may want their draft picks this year, and then willing to risk their draft picks for next year for Lamar Jackson after the draft. And I still think Atlanta is the best place for him. I, I and I still, I still think that they may do it. To your point, because Desmond mm-hmm. Ritter is, I like him as a young quarterback. I watched him play here in Cincinnati, but he's not a starting NFL quarterback. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback. It's just not going to happen. So if you're the Falcons, what other choice do you have? Like you, you, you can go get this guy, build your team pretty quickly, and in that division, right? We talked about that division a lot here on the show. Um, you're, you're able to compete right away. So, so I, I'm watching them. They could be one of those teams, Mo. I think it's between the Falcons and the Colts. On one of my Bleach Report live shows, I actually said the Falcons are the best spot for Lamar Jackson. He'll yeah. have a tight end in Kyle Pitch, just like he had in Baltimore with Mark Andrews. But I feel like the Colts are a team to watch. Now, if they don't, I think the Colts are going to draft Anthony Richardson, just mm. full disclosure. But if they don't, I think that's a team that should be interested in Lamar Jackson because if they don't draft the guy high, are who are you going to roll with there? Uh, yeah. I, I, people love... People love Mr. Mustache, Gardner Minshew, but let's be real. He's not, it, yeah. Gardner Minshew is not the future. He could be a no. good placeholder. Y- exactly. But if you're picking between Minshew and, and Lamar Jackson, 
it's not a placeholder, a guy, a guy who can win you two right. or three games during the season when there's an injury. Absolutely. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a good role player quarterback that way. So um, you can, you can, I don't know. He's not quite the modern version. I shouldn't say modern, the, the, the present version of Fitz magic, but he's close. Like that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think he's going to be. I think he's able to, he's yeah. going to survive forever because yeah. he does enough that, that you want him as your backup. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, I know that Ursay is talking the big game, but yeah, when they get to the position where if they don't, if they don't get Richardson or whoever, well, Levis or whoever they're trying to get, then they might have to uh, settle uh, and, and figure it out, and, and it could be Lamar Jackson. So that's good. All right, I just want to get that one in there because we hadn't talked about it in a while, and you and I haven't been on together in a week and a half. So uh, there you go. I'm glad you're feeling better, buddy. I'm glad I feel better, too. I just want to put it, this out there. I'm not usually sick, people. So this no. is new to me, being sick twice within a, a four-month span. Yes. And it's just, I, I think it's just the schedule is finally breaking down my my immune system. So yeah. Mo's got to gotta suck up some more vitamins and drink a lot more water so I'm <laughs> available to you all. But I'm barely ever sick, so I'm in new territory right now. Yeah, dude. I I tell you, I was telling I was telling somebody today at the office. I said, listen, because because I had I had it towards the end of last week, but mine was much more of just a head cold. I wasn't as sick as you were, um, but it was two two rough days. And I had COVID in November, December, December, and I had it last July. And before that, I literally had not been sick other than, you know, a minor cold or something like that in years. And so I feel you, man. It's like all of a sudden three times. And by the way, this sp- I guess the flu this spring is worse than it was in the winter time when it's usually flu season. So mm-hmm. go figure, man. It got you. And you're in there in New York City where you got people right on top of you all the time. So... Mm-hmm. Not a surprise, not a surprise. But, and, you, and, and you work your tail off, and that wears down your immune system. So we understand it. But we're going to come back on Thursday. We're going to talk about defensive backs and, and cornerbacks and safeties in this draft. One of those positions is deeper than the other. So we'll get a little bit into that and give you some names as well as get into our mailbag. I'm sure we'll get a slew of new mail giving Mo advice on vitamins <laughs> and, and, and other other smoothies that will boost your immune system with like echinacea and vitamin C, like some orange and strawberry and all this kind of stuff. So you're, I'm sure you'll get some good stuff. Ridiculous! I turn, I'm about to turn 37. All of a sudden, now I'm a, I'm a sick old man now. Overnight, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh man, no, you're our man, and I love it. So that's good. Well, <laughs> that's gonna do it for the show. Uh, Mo, thanks for being here as always, my friend. I'm glad, even though you're 75, percent we'll take 75 percent Mo over 100 percent anybody else. So thanks for being with us, buddy. Of course, uh, you know, I could do it for the fans. Live shows, <laughs> silver and black today here. Yeah. You know, do it. I do it for the people. You're a man of the people. You're a man of the people. Wow. (laughs) Gotta love that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the show. For uh, for our producer, David. Oh, but before we go, I got to mention, subscribe, hit auto download. If you're on YouTube, also hit subscription. And don't forget the notifications bell so that you get notified whenever we have a new video. Again, show Thursday. We're going to go through cornerbacks and safeties, uh, as well as get to your mail and other items from the news. From our crack producer, not our producer on crack, but our crack producer, <laughs> David Stepanian. For more Moten, excuse me, for Mo Moten, that's a mouthful. I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs>